of the year, draft day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders. And today, since we're in the middle of fantasy football draft season, we are doing a, a live fantasy football draft live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash FBOutsiders. So check us out there. And if you're listening later on the pod, that's cool, too. We're going to narrate everything that's going on. But I'm joined by some esteemed Football Outsiders writers to help me with this, uh, this whole extravaganza. With the first pick, we have Mike Tanier. Then we're going Brian Knowles, two, Tom Gower, three. I'm going to pick four while I'm trying to direct this, so I'm going to do really badly. Vince Verri is going fifth, then Derek Klassen, sixth. Kale Clinton, seventh, and Rivers McCown at the rear at eighth, but also picking first in the second round. So right now we have Mike Tanier on the clock. Mike, are we ready to hear your first selection of the draft? Yes, we are. But in the grand tradition of drafting, I'm going to let the clock run down to the very last second like I'm Jerry Jones. Good news <laughs> is there are only 27 seconds left, so I think I can do this without vamping too ridiculously. I will be, for the remainder of this draft, acting like an unprepared father-in-law. Perfect. I will be the one completely drafting just off the list. I do not have my Kubiak ready. I do have my anonymous beverage here. <laughs> Fine. I will be selecting Alvin Kamara. Tennessee, New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Very nice. For people that are watching along, we have the, uh, the ESPN, in fact, so shout out to them. We have their draft tool for this live draft up on our Twitch show. We have a PPR league where every other uh, setting is just a step standard one, but we're only eight teams. So we're, you know, we're not as nerdy here as we can be sometimes on Football Outsiders, but uh, <laughs> still doing okay. All right. Now on the clock at number two, we're jumping over to Brian Knowles. Brian, how are you? Um, I'm doing good. Today, let's see here. I probably should have looked at any good players recently. My head's been in the loser league so long that I'm, mm. I'm scrolling down here to Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam try, Darnold yeah, and all try these Try to players. avoid the, the Panthers if possible here. Well, McCaffrey may be an acceptable choice. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey. I like it. Get tied out right off the bat here. So, Brian, is, in your mind, is this really more about the separation between Kelsey and the other tight ends? Exactly. There's, like, three, like, real, like, star quality fantasy tight ends available, and there's only eight of us. So mm. half of us are going to have a viable tight end, and the other half aren't. So might as well get that out of the way right away. That is kind of interesting because I feel like league, league depth plays a really interesting role with fantasy draft strategy. We're kind of counterintuitively with only there being eight of us, uh, you know, there really may be more running backs to go around than you would typically see in sort of a typical 12 team type of league. So honestly, I totally buy Kelsey there as one of the top two picks. I think that selection is fantastic. All right. We're on the clock for number three here uh, with team TJ Yates, Tom Gower. Love it. So Yates went to my, my alma mater, Chapel Hill. So I, I keep cracking up when I see his antler uh, little statue that you have there. What's going on, Tom? Well, I had, uh, I saw I got the third pick. And with, the, with the third pick, I thought I'd have a choice between Christian McCaffrey, um, Delvin Cook, or Travis Kelsey. And then Mike went off the board with his, a little bit with his Alvin Kamara selection first overall. I wasn't sure how New Orleans would play ah. offense. With and the uh, then uh, Brian took, uh, Brian took uh, Travis Kelsey. So then it was between the two running backs. And I went with the Kubiak approved. Uh, pick in Delvin Cook. I have a little bit more confidence, even despite uh, Kirk Cousins' uh, vaccination status. Fair, and, fair. Uh, I know Mike Zimmer loves to run the ball. So, absolutely. So, Tom, I just followed you by taking McCaffrey. 
Um, we do have Dalvin Cook rated ahead of McCaffrey in PPR in our Kubiak projections, which, by the way, I'm updating constantly today as best I can <laughs> to keep up with the final cutdown day cuts. Um, but part of that is is just sort of optimism that the Panthers have found some more targets to throw the ball to. So it's it's less about McCaffrey being a dramatically bigger injury risk and more about the fact that guys like you know Dan Arnold, uh, Terrace Marshall, those guys may be in the mix a little bit more than when McCaffrey was kind of a one-man band a couple of years ago. All right, Vince, we're on the clock with you. We're down to just 34 seconds, so sorry mm -hmm. I'm chit-chatting. How are you, and, and what's your pick going to be? I'm uh, doing just fine. i uh, got a couple of options here in front of me, and um, I think I am going to do just kind of the safest one when in doubt. Take a, I have 17 seconds. i got to hurry. Um, and the ESPN rankings don't match up with the rankings I have very well at all, and I'm having trouble finding people. So, oh shoot! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seven, six, five. This, I mean, is, this is what right. you expect from a real. I just drafted Tyree Hill. Okay, okay, okay. You got it in on time. I like it. <laughs> you know, Vince, this wouldn't have happened if you had had your Kubiak right in front of you. It's our preseason projections and rankings, very useful in in draft tool that you can use. It's funny you missed that. I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I didn't have. I couldn't find the player I wanted right away. So there you okay. go. Okay, fair enough. Um, over in the Twitch chat, and again, we're live at twitch.tv slash FBOutsiders. Reynolds Diaz asked what kind of league this is. It's PPR, and otherwise it's typical scoring, just eight teams uh, for the ease of the, the presentation in Twitch and, and podcasting. But I think you'll find some stuff that'll help you out in all of your formats. Now over to, what are we, the sixth pick now with Derek Klassen. Derek, what's up? Uh, what are you looking for here with this pick? Uh, well, I got robbed a little bit. I kind of wanted to Tyree kill just because I think with some of the questions with Kansas City's number two receiver, I think that's like just a home run pick. So I'll kind of go with another receiver that feels like a little bit of a lock. I think to me, it's going to be Stefan Diggs um, just because I really trust Buffalo as an organization overall. And it seems like Josh ah, Allen is still going to. They had their eye well, on him too. So I'm going to take him. So Derek, I think in a lot of leagues, we're seeing Devontae Adams go first among the wide receivers. Is, right. is there something there with Green Bay that has you nervous? Um, I mean, he had a lot more touchdowns than these other guys last year, but maybe that's something you think might be fluky. Um, I don't think it's fluky necessarily. I think just the vibes overall in Green Bay are kind of unsettling, um, which is not very like concrete analysis at sure. all. Um, it just feels like there's a little bit more uh, room for something to go wrong. Um, with that team as a where as opposed to I think Buffalo it just feels like everything they do is so sound it feels like they've really had a connection with Allen and Diggs so I feel like that's slightly a, a little bit safer to me okay I like it all right now over with the seventh pick we have Kale Clinton uh, Kale what's going on I bet you have some running back options here you didn't expect to have with the sixth pick yeah I uh <clears throat> there's definitely some people that have fallen to me and I think I'm gonna avoid all of them okay and I'm gonna end up going with Austin Eckler uh, I'm really excited about the uh, the Joe Lombardi sort of hybrid 49ers Saints offense. Uh, I think Austin Eckler is going to get a lot more looks, a lot better looks compared to what he was getting with the, you know, pretty miserable screens that uh, Anthony Lynn was drawing up for him mm -hmm. last year. And uh, I don't know. I just have too many questions about the guys left on the board. Uh, I don't like the Giants offensive line, so I'm staying away from Saquon. Uh, Derek Henry, there's a lot of history of regression with people that just ran for 2,000 yards the season after. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I, I'm really high on Tony Pollard, so I don't know how that's going to work and all the fumble issues last year, a bit of a red flag for me. So, 
I think that's all fair. I'm going with my safest bet here with Eckler. All all fair. Now, Kale, we've spent a lot of time talking and thinking about what Justin Herbert might mean for some of his, his weapons, but you brought up the fact that they have a new offensive coordinator in Lombardi coming in from the Saints. Are there other translations from the Saints offense that you think might be relevant to make, making fantasy decisions with the team? Like, is Mike Williams maybe going to be playing a similar role to Michael Tom? Like, are there, are there things like that? that maybe There's 18 seconds on the clock, by the way. Oh, I'm, Rivers, I'm aware. Rivers should pick, and then we'll come back to him because he's got the back-to-back. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, Eckler could be used a little bit similarly to Alvin Kamara. I don't know they had their eye on him, too. I don't know if the skill set translates completely, but I think it'd be pretty good. And, uh, yeah, I could see a lot more of the field stretching uh, that we saw from, like, earlier Saints teams more so than the dink and dunk, uh, you know, Mike Slant sure. Thomas, uh, <laughs> like the later years of Drew Brees. I think it should be pretty fun. Absolutely. All right, last but certainly not least, we have Rivers McCown coming in, not repping his Texans with his first pick in Devontae Adams, but he's on the turn here in our league, so we had back-to-back options. Uh, does your placement in the draft, Rivers, influence your your sort of selection options here? And how's it going? How are you? Well, I'm last everywhere this year, so that's that's quite all right. I'm used to, I'm used to that. Um, Dicking it out with the Lions this year, for sure. I, I did want Travis Kelsey to fall this far, but it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. now we're just kind of left with the best of the rest, in my opinion, and uh, having, a, having a struggle here between all these running backs. I, I wanted one of the, those three those three wideouts, and uh, now I'm kind of back and forth between Henry and Elliott. I wonder who I'll pick. <laughs> <laughs> We've got 20... 20 seconds or so to make your selection. Oops, uh, do I made you, a pick. You got Elliot there. I had their uh, eye on him too. With with Devontae Adams, do you do you feel the same way that that uh that Derek did about maybe him not necessarily being the top choice of the position? I, I wouldn't really go that far. I understand the hesitation for sure, mm-hmm. but um I don't know. The last dance scenario for the Packers kind of feels like it's gonna produce some big numbers to me still. So I, yeah. I wasn't too worried about that. Nice. Well, great to have you on board. We're going to kind of just bounce back and forth between people, and I'm going to try to narrate as best I can. For people that are just jumping in in the podcast, I'll remind everybody that our first round in a PPR format went Alvin Kamara, Travis Kelsey, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams, and then Elliott with the first pick in the second round in the eight-team draft. So I would say a lot of the players you would expect to find in the first, although not necessarily in the typical order, in part, I think, because of the PPR formats, but too, with, with things like Derek brought up with some of the risk and stuff. In the first round, you're tending to try to avoid risk more than anything. All right, we're back around to Kale, who picked Austin Eckler. Maybe in some minds, a riskier pick, one that probably is going to have a lower volume than some of the other running backs in this territory, like you know the Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henrys of the world, if they can stay healthy. I don't know if that's going to influence your next selection, Kale. What are you looking at here? I'm now actually looking, you just mentioned him, Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Ooh. Colts. Uh, you know, on Football Outsiders, our, our, our Kubiak rankings, uh, Jonathan Taylor's right next to Derrick Henry, who I was also mm. all eyeballing a little bit. But I also think that, you know, it's not too great a difference. The upside for Henry is definitely higher, but I'm still really worried about that regression off of last year's big, uh, you know, massive performance, 2,000-plus mm-hmm. yards. And I think that Jonathan Taylor is only going to get better as the season goes on, as they start to, you know, regain some of these injured linemen that have gone down, especially with uh, Eric Flowers rejoining the team once his uh, injuries are are all healed up. 
is it Flowers or Fisher? I always Fisher, get those Fisher. two confused. Eric Fisher. Fisher. Eric yeah, Fisher. Yeah, yeah. Not Eric they did lose Sam Tevy for the year at left tackle. I, I, I'm kind of getting nervous about an accumulation of energies with that uh, of injuries with that team. And I'm wondering if like the quarterback Wentz misses time, if that's going to play a role. But uh, I, I definitely think that Taylor makes sense as a pick. It's like the volume is something that you can definitely trust there. Following you, we had Nick Chubb go to Derek. I think that's a bit mm. of a surprise for people maybe looking for either Saquon Barkley or Derek Henry here. Something that a lot of people may not know to play fantasy is that our own Aaron Schatz is the originator of the Curse of 370 research. Is that kind of part of the, the mental process here, Derek? Were you worried that Henry might be in for an injury given the volume of work he's had the last two years? Um, Actually, no. I, I feel like he's kind of like planet theory where he's just like such a rare person and, and talent that that's not really what I'm worried about. I think the offensive line is just a little bit of a concern to me. And I mm -hmm. think if that wide receiver core gets literally any injury, they're going to have such poor depth to me that like the entire offense could kind of crumble. And that's kind of my worry with Barkley. It's more just like the offensive line. He's coming off of injury, blah, blah, blah. With Chubb, it's more that I just trust the offense as a whole. And with, you know, second year Stefanski, I think they just have um, such a good unit together that I think they should be able to get him rolling pretty well. I like it. All right. We got Vince down to the last 10 seconds. They're on him too. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and pick before I talk to Vince. Otherwise I'm going to screw this up. So I'm just going to kind of jump in here and grab Calvin Ridley, but uh, let's, let's jump they back and hear Vince's thoughts on picking Derrick Henry. Like with what I said about the curse of 370, do you think Derrick Henry is maybe immune to that given his size or, or just kind of what's the thoughts there with Henry? Uh, the biggest thoughts are the running back pool is getting thin quickly. And I Very didn't get true. one in the first round, so I better grab one now. It's down to him and Aaron Jones. That was kind of a coin flip. Um, yeah, even in this eight pool, eight, eight team pool, it feels to me like there's even less solid running back prospects than usual. And running back is usually the thinnest position, which is why people draft him so early. Mm -hmm. um, but it, after you get past like McCaffrey and uh, uh, the Dalvin other, Cook. thank you, Dalvin Cook, uh, mm -hmm. you get past those two, then things get thin very quickly. And so. Um, yeah, just make sure you get one early or don't go in, or don't get, or don't get one at all. Absolutely fair. All right, on the clock now, I think we are up back up to Tom. Tom, what's going on? Uh, you've got 30 seconds here to make a pick. Remind yep. us who uh, you picked with your first pick. Uh, I took uh, Delvin Cook with my first pick. So okay. I'm, I'm looking, uh, I could double up on running back, but I'm happy. But with this, uh, I expect running backs to last a little longer in this league than they, they do. They're on him yeah. too leagues with uh, other people. Uh, I was hoping to get uh, Calvin Ridley, but uh, you sniped him right in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I went with the, uh, uh, the with another Kubiak approved pick in Darren Waller. Um, in a league, in a league, in another league, I think the late in the second round is too early for Waller. I, um, I'd let, I'd expect other people at tight end slip, but I know other people are drafting off Kubiak and, uh, it was really between Waller and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and I. And while I expect Hopkins to continue to get plenty of volume, he really did drop off at the end of last year. And I'm not super optimistic about Kingsbury's ability to completely change what he did to make that Arizona offense much more productive this year. So uh, I just went with the tight end. Absolutely makes total sense. All right, we're down to 30 seconds for a pick here for Brian, who it sounds like we maybe have sniped a few of his, his draft options. So are you zagging a little bit here? looks like you're picking Patrick Mahomes. 
Um, yeah, I'm thinking about Holmes. I'm, 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 I'm regretting my first pick already because George Kittle's still sitting there on the board. I prefer Kittle at the end of round two to the Kelsey at the beginning of round one. But as long as I'm going in on the Chiefs, I might as well stack uh, Kelsey and Mahomes. I mean, that's going to leave me happy quite a few days of the year. Yeah. Now, like how often do you like to stack big offensive options from the same team in a traditional format? Like obviously that's something that makes a ton of sense in a DFS format or even a best ball format. But in a traditional league, is that a strategy you kind of seek out? Not actively, but if, if I'm trying to decide between two players, like if I'm trying, trying to decide between uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, uh, that team, I, I usually will g- give the tie to someone I already have players for, just st- stack up on one offense. Mm-hmm. Fair. Um, Ronald Dios asks, like, is, is there a reason that people are kind of reaching, quote unquote, from what would be the traditional rankings on tight ends? And I do think it actually is because of the eight-team league. I think the nature of it really makes a big difference. So um, I like, I think that that makes a lot of sense to go with the elite guys here because some of the other, like if you're doing a a value-based drafting type approach and you're comparing against what you can likely grab off the waiver wire, tight end is going to hit its normal basement because once you get past five or six guys at tight end, then you don't really have any good options. But some of these, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, you're going to actually have some pretty good guys that don't end up drafted in this format. So I think that probably is the rationale here. I I agree with that. I think the, worst wide receiver drafted in this draft is gonna be a really good fantasy wide receiver Mm -hmm. Um, totally agree the worst tight end draft is gonna be a pretty bad tight end absolutely all right i missed a pick so someone selected aaron jones who 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 was that man is that mike i believe tanier yes you took aaron jones right i did i was muted hello Okay, so you just went on the turn there with Aaron Jones and Antonio Gibson, a couple of exciting running backs, but any particular thoughts on either player? Going with a very old school, three running back in a row stack, we have a flex. You're talking about the level of depth in this league, I'm not going to be caught without options at running back starting, even in an eight-team league. And again, I I probably go back a few minutes in terms of some of my fantasy strategies. Maybe they're out of date, but I'm not going to worry about it right now is that I want to make sure I've got two solid running backs. I know I'll be able to get wide receivers in the 18 league that can play. I'll be able to get some guys with upside later on. I want to get, I want guys with starting capability in Jones, obviously a great player and a great offense. And in Gibson, a guy who's probably going to get fed a lot of touches, uh, both as a receiver and a running back. So, I mean, one of the big cut down news items today was that Peyton Barber got released by Washington. Yeah. Like yeah. at this point, do you think Gibson is going to be a, you know, like a three down true bell cow? I know people have been kind of connecting the dots with him and Christian McCaffrey because of the coaching staff. Do you think that kind of workload is possible? I'm not sure because I think they like the Patterson kid out of Buffalo and McCassick is a guy that is going to rotate in. But I think he's going to have a bigger role. And there's so much horizontal passing in that Washington offense. Everything is leaking out into the flat, is running the little over the middle and run the bench route. So I think we're going to be able to take advantage of that a lot this year. I like it. All right. Um, Brian, that was back to you with the Keenan Allen selection there. What are your thoughts on potential changes with the the LA Chargers offense with the new coaching staff, Herbert entering his second season? I like that they're they're talking about doing a big no-huddle up-tempo thing that's going to create a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more volume there. I don't think Allen has any competition on the team for the intermediate type routes. I think mm-hmm. Allen, he's easy. He's, in the scramble that's coming up later this week, he's my like long shot pick to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. Interesting. The, the long shot pick. I mean, we make no, it. No, no, no. I think that yeah. makes total sense. I think it's going to be good. And there are plenty of running backs for later. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. So like one, one of the popular sleepers from camp, I feel like has been rookie Josh Palmer, who I can't remember. It was probably like a third or fourth round pick, but somebody people have really enjoyed what he's done so far in camp. Do you think that his potential success may change the equation 
of like which of the receivers on the team are doing well from a fantasy perspective, or do you still see this as a very clearly defined Allen number one, Mike, Mike uh, Williams, number two, and then Palmer would be three. I think Palmer might challenge for that number two slot, but I think Allen is still the unquestioned top dog there. Okay. That makes sense. And Mike Williams is a free agent after this season. So I, I don't know if that maybe plays into what the chargers are kind of do with those guys. I really like Williams as a sleeper too, but part of this just ties into Herbert. A lot of quarterbacks see their biggest jump in their efficiencies from year one to year two in their careers. Obviously Herbert had a, like an historically great rookie season, but you feel like if he's tracking to being a, like a hall of fame type of player, which I know says a lot after a rookie year, but the jump could happen this year and that offense could be really explosive, which I think justifies the Allen pick there. It, it justifies, you know, bringing in Austin Eckler as a top pick. I think all of those make a lot of sense. By all right. Way, Keenan yeah. Allen to lead the league in receiving touchdowns is plus 4,000. Yeah. Nice. I, I, that, that value, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I've missed a couple of guys, I think since then. So Tom, I think I missed your Deandre Hopkins pick. That made a lot yeah, of sense at the time. You're kind of running uh, out of the elite wide receivers, right? And guaranteed volume. Absolutely. In a PPR league. That's what I was looking for. Okay, Vince, you went with Najee Harris. He's been a player that I think everybody but me has been like really obsessed with. The, the pushback that I've been making with Harris is that the Steelers offensive line, it's it was number 32 in adjusted line yards or our run blocking metric last year. And it's turned over starters pretty much every which way. So is Harris more a volume play? Um, you think that maybe he's going to get so much work that it doesn't really matter? Or am I, am I kind of overstating how much of an issue that's going to be? Harris is basically an auto pick because you picked Saquon Barkley. I was going to pick him and I panicked. Um, <laughs> I like it. Uh, I mean, the, the, to, be, to be brutally honest about the whole thing, the, the top running back on the board was Joe Mixon. I thought taking Joe Mixon right after taking Tyreek Hill would be a little, so uh, I went somewhere else. <laughs> Harris is who we ended up with. I like it. Well, do you have any broader thoughts about the Steelers offense this year? I know many people beyond even the, the, the blocking have concerns about Ben Roethlisberger as he's aging. Yeah, I mean, uh, all those are valid. Um, and the answer is yes. Like I say, it's kind of a panic pick. Um, but uh, um, he, he's the top guy. I don't, I'm, I'm not thrilled with it, honestly, because I, I thought I was going to get Barkley. Um, he, he's the top guy. He'll be their, their, their workhorse. Um, there's concerns about the Steelers' offense, but I think their floor is higher than people might realize. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, 30th in the league in scoring or anything. Mm -hmm. um, so it is what it is. You know, it's done now. I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I, I do think the volume is going to be heavy. And I think that he is a good enough receiver that even if I'm right, that this offense may stay skewed toward the pass. And last year they had the highest pass first run ratio in football. I'm pretty sure. Like, I think that could still be good for Harris's fantasy value. Uh, even if he's only carrying the ball for like 3.8 or 4.0 yards per carry, it's just, it, it may be tough for him to really pile on the rushing yardage, but the volume could be there. And in fantasy volume really means more than anything else. Typically. Okay, um, Derek, you just picked, you went with George Kittle, the, I guess, probably the last of the elite tight ends, right? Is that how you see Kittle? Yeah, that was pretty much my my thought process. Um, I, I was kind of down between a couple of other players, but like you said, just the, the positional value, he's really, I think, the best tight end left on the board by a long shot. And even if you think guys like Hawkinson or Fant are good players, I think just the situation in San Francisco is significantly better than what those other guys are going to have. Derek, you do obviously some really great quarterback charting for prospects and everything along those lines. And I was curious to get your thoughts about what it might mean if Trey Lance ends up starting, I mean, possibly in week one, but probably taking over at some point during the season. Does that improve Kittle's value? Does it make it worse? Does it not change it? Like, what are your thoughts there? 
The only way I could see it maybe being worse is just they like really, really lean into running the ball and it that just cuts back on like overall pass attempts for everyone. But I think mm-hmm. Lance is, is really comfortable throwing over the middle of the field. He's, he's going to make those aggressive throws. So I think that's not really a problem. Um, like I said, it would kind of more just be like a volume thing rather than his, you know, what types of throws he's going to make. Sure. It makes total sense. All right. I missed a pick with Kale picking AJ Brown, but Kale's coming up in a couple of picks again. So we'll circle back to him then. So for now we're back up to Rivers McCown with back-to-back picks. Uh, Rivers, what, like, what are you working with? Who were your first two picks? And then how does that inform your options here? I've already got Ezekiel Elliott and Devontae Adams. So okay. that's, that's kind of my base. Uh, I can kind of go a number of ways here, but I think what I'm going to do is pick the guy who I always wind up with and who always disappoints me, which is Joe Mixon. Fair, fair. Do you think that having Joe Burrow entering a second season, is that going to be something that helps Mixon too? Or is that really more about his wide receivers specifically? I think the Giovanni Bernard uh, leaving Cincinnati and actually opening up some of those uh, receptions is going to be big for Mixon in a PPR league. That's interesting. Actually, I've had an eye on Bernard as a sleeper in deeper formats too, because of Tom Brady's former usage of James White up in New England, where I think White was a top 26 or 27 PPR running back in three or four, three or four seasons in Brady's last four years with the team. So it's like, you'd be surprised if you looked into how many catches Bernard has had the last few years. And you're right. If Bernard is eating that stuff up, like top, number one running back potential, don't you think rivers? Sure. Yeah. And, uh, Joe Mixon, though, <laughs> always, <laughs> always disappointing. So you got to weigh those two, and that's why he's available here in, at the end of round three. <laughs> Fair. Okay, who else Who else are you looking at here? You're down to 30 seconds on your second pick. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward the, the, the tenure uh, only running back strategy because I feel like the deeper we get into this, the, the, the shallower that pool is going to get, mm-hmm. and wide receivers uh, will come back to me, I feel like. So... We're going to take uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I love the Clyde Edwards-Alaire pick. So one thing that I point out with him is he had the biggest shortfall in rushing touchdowns against rushing touchdowns expectations last year, just five rushing touchdowns, but would have expected to have had eight based on where he touched the ball. Uh, Based on my research with that, based on Mike Clay's research with that, that tends to be a luck metric. It has nothing to do with his ability to actually punch the ball in near the goal line. So I expect a big turnaround and increasing touchdowns for Edwards Hilaire this season. All right, next on the clock is Kale. And Kale, I just missed your pick with A.J. Brown with your third pick. So you're back around with fourth. Any thoughts on A.J. Brown and what's your strategy looking like for your fourth pick right now? Uh, Really last pick came down to the – to the two wide receiver stars of the 2019 draft class, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. And I think I'm just going to take them both. Absolutely. I think I'm just going to also take (laughs) D.K. Metcalf now because he's stuck around. Uh, For A.J. Brown, for me, uh, I chose him over D.K. originally just because per pro football reference, he averages something on his career like 11.2 yards per target. So even the volume may decrease with the addition of Julio Jones, I'm not overly concerned just because – He's extremely efficient at what he does, and he really knows how to, like, you know, cut through secondary. He's yeah, a phenomenal absolutely. receiver, and DK is maybe better for, like, a best ball type thing where he can pop off some games and, you know, not have his best days other way or other weeks. But uh, I'm confident enough in him that it should be fun. It should be a nice, like, young receiving core to shore up my fantasy team. And I like it. 
Or Ole Miss yeah. teammates, oh. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. Reuniting. Go, oh, yeah, go Ole Miss. Draft <laughs> Eli uh, next. Going, slight, going out of order here, but since we have Brian Knowles on the show, and Brian, you write our, our Yak Plus articles every season, and it seems like A.J. Brown is a constant player at the top of that list. Like, Do you have any thoughts about, like, is that something that we should be concerned about, sustainability? Or is there maybe some specific skill set there with, with Brown that, that helps him uh, you know, achieve after, after the catch so well that he does? Uh, well, two years ago, he basically shattered all the Act Plus records. He, mm-hmm. he like doubled the league. And last year, he was a more normal, uh, top of the league kind of, kind of player. So I don't think his 20, his rookie performance is not sustainable because it, it just was an all-time record. But he's so good at the ball in his hands, and he's so good at catching the ball and just t- t- and turning up field. I, I, I'm not concerned at all about it. Yeah, I just I think that's something that's very much part of his game. Like it. All right, just missed a pick from Derek Klassen, Allen Robinson, receiver for the Bears. I think I'm noticing a trend here with Derek trusting his rookie quarterbacks to <laughs> let receivers be very successful. So, Derek, do you want to take 30 seconds and just, you know, wax rhapsodic about how much you love Justin Fields? Yeah, it's basically just I think that Justin Fields is going to start sooner rather than later. And I think he's just such an unbelievable. I thought he was he's one of the best prospects I've ever seen since I started doing this. Um, and I think he's he's such an aggressive passer and he's really going to allow Allen Robinson, who's like a contested catch God to, to really thrive in that role. So I think I'm a little worried about what it's going to look like with Dalton. Um, but I think, like I said, Fields is going to get playtime sooner rather than later. And I think once he gets in, I think Allen Robinson's really going to take off. I like it. All right, Vince, you just grabbed Tyler Lockett from your your hometown ish, I believe, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, are you on the road? Yeah. Uh, are you optimistic that the Seahawks can bounce back? I know they had a, a rough end of their season and there was some offseason rumblings about Wilson maybe wanting to play elsewhere, but looking at the players themselves, it seems like business as usual for the team, right? Yeah. Um, the, 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 there's the usual um, ultimately meaningless soap opera going on. And what you're left <laughs> with is uh, a quarterback and his top two receiver, all the histories of production. Um, I think the team is going to be primarily a two tight end set. Um, so it's going to be Metcalf and Lockett carrying most of the lumber. They're still, they're still very thin at receiver, even after drafting the Eskridge. Um, and Eskridge, you know, he, he played in the last preseason game, but he's been not healthy for most of camp. So I think the top two in Seattle are still pretty solid top two. Nice. I like it. All right. I picked Terry McLaurin uh, in between, and then Tom Gower just picked DeAndre Swift. I think it's an interesting choice. Dan Campbell, the new Lions head coach, has mentioned that he's a little bit worried about his availability for week one. But Tom, I'm guessing this is more about, you know, potentially a longer term pick, somebody you think could be a big part of the offense in his his second year with the team, right? Yeah, at this point, running backs are starting to get a little picked over a little bit. And uh, the two top backs on my board were Swift and Josh Jacobs. And uh, I had Jacobs last year. Uh, I liked him last year because of the volume, but after paying that money to add Kenyon Drake this offseason, I'm just kind of worried about him in a PPR format, uh, losing touches. And so I went with the Swift, who doesn't have much competition, and he's also the only second-round pick that Bob Quinn made in his four years as general manager, who's still on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely killing it, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, back to... No, wait, who did I miss? Brian, you just picked. You went with Julio Jones of the Titans. Uh, do you have any concerns about losing Arthur Smith from this offense, about what that could mean, about differences? Tannehill's been very successful, but also been kind of an elite uh, play-action pass success rate guy. Like, are there, are there things that you worry about getting worse without 
having Arthur Smith there to call the plays? A little bit, just because there's really no track record for the new guy uh, whose name is Chasey for the moment. You know, so whenever, whenever you have a guy, oh, whenever you have a guy who developed a great offense and succeeding it, and you change it, yeah, there's concerns. And I'm also concerned about uh, Julio Jones' injuries, both all the lingering ones for 2020, and I think it's the knee injuries doing right now. But at the end of the day, he's Julio Jones, and if he's healthy, he's going to mm-hmm. do great. So, like, I can get him on that here at the end of the fourth round, uh, uh, fifth round. Do you think the offense actually might shift a little bit more toward the pass, given the fact that they have these these improved receiving weapons? Well, if we think that Derrick Henry is going to going to struggle somewhat with the curse of the seventy and all, they're going to have to pass more. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll certainly be behind in games if Henry's not just crushing people uh, in the first and second halves. But interesting. I mean, it's hard to to bet against Julio Jones. He's really been maybe the most efficient receiver period in the game over the last five or six years. So I like the pick. We followed it up with, I think, maybe one of the, the earlier surprises here with Debo Samuel. Love to get Mike's thoughts, but he also has 20 seconds to pick another player. Okay, CeeDee Lamb. Mike, you go in youth at receiver. You like some of these guys as prospects to maybe emerge as some of the better receivers in football? Youth and upside, PPR potential for Debo. I think if he's healthy, we're going to have a lot of six, seven, eight catch games with a lot of short passes, shovel passes. I get some rushing yards out of Debo along the way. I think he's undervalued. I think he was undervalued on the board. People forget how good he was because he was hurt. And C.D. Lamb is absolute potential. I was rushing to check the injury. I don't think the injury is something that's going to linger right now. But, again, I recognize the amount of weapons they have there. Early in camp, he looked like he was about to break out and be the star among stars mm-hmm. in Dallas. And at wide receiver, especially early, I want the guys with the high upside. Back him up later on with some of the guys who, like, I know are just going to go out there and get bogged. I think that makes a lot of sense with lamb. I think he has COVID, right? I think that's, I, right. I don't think he's like ac- actually injured with uh, something that could linger into the regular season. So that that's a plus yeah. with Samuel. Like I think people forget or, or maybe didn't notice how little he and Brandon Ayup played together last season. Yeah. So there's well, a lot of uncertainty for me, at least on who the number one guy is with the 49ers. Do you think that it's Samuel or do you think that maybe there's a specific skill with Samuel that's just going to lead to a higher volume of targets? A little bit of that. I think he, I kind of think of Kittle as the other person who kind of siphons targets. Well, we didn't sure, see a lot of Hayek last year, but no matter how it goes, it's so much. And even whether it's Lance or Garoppolo, so much is built off of those crossing routes, uh, et cetera, where the, that yak receiver is going to get the opportunities that I just feel very comfortable that, I mean, it might be a lot of seven catch for 80 yards or whatever. If mm-hmm. you get the touchdowns in there, if you get the games where he catches 10, 11, 12 passes, that's going to be really solid lay a foundation at wide receiver for me. And again, if he gets hurt, again, that's everybody. If they get hurt, they get hurt. Sure. Yeah. But we'll be able to, I'll be able to bring in guys at wide receiver later on in this draft. It's only eight teams. Mm-hmm. So I think in the Kubiak rankings, we might have Ayuk a little bit ahead. Okay. Um, but okay. for me, like Samuel, he makes a lot more sense as I scramble to pick somebody. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Samuel makes a lot more su- sense specifically for the Kyle Shanahan offense and what they're going to yeah. be trying to do this season. Cause basically he's a running back that catches passes and runs right. after the catch, right? Like they're going to be trying to run over people. And I, I just think it's like a really fun offense to watch. And it's something that's going to specifically make Samuel work when maybe he wouldn't fit as well in a lot of other offensive schemes. Right. Just imagine the Taylor pork roll offense I put together with Antonio Gibson and Kamara and Jones. <laughs> it's going to be shallow cross, shallow cross, drag route, drag route. <laughs> a million short passes is going to be productive because they produce yak. Yeah. All right, Brian, you snagged Josh Jacobs after that. Jacobs has been a player that I've been finding myself drafting a lot, but I guess people are afraid that bringing in Kenyon Drake is going to cut into his workload. Maybe also afraid by the low yards per carry number last season. Uh, at this point, do you think Jacobs is just better than what's left? Or do you think that some of those concerns are overstated? I think 
uh, in a PBR league, they're probably less overstated because I think Drake is going to do, do take away a receiving volume. But I think at the end of the, I, I didn't have a running back. By the end of the fifth round, <laughs> Josh Jacobs was, I think, was pretty clearly the best one up there. He gets a lot of carries inside the five. Hasn't been very efficient with them, but he gets the opportunity. So if you can just up that efficiency just a little bit. Well, one point in his favor, I'll say, is that while his overall yards per carry number is low, he does tend to run in those power situations. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, near the goal line, one third down, what I always consider to be high difficulty carries, things that are going to lower your yards per carry number, uh, regardless of how successful you are. So I think that he's better than his efficiencies from a traditional standpoint might suggest. So I like the pick there. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm definitely falling behind now. But since the Jacobs pick, we've gone Justin Jefferson. I picked David Montgomery. TJ Hawkinson, and then James Robinson. The Jefferson pick, I mean, I think everybody sees star written all over him. I don't think we need to dig too deep into that. Hawkinson, I find interesting. Vince, you took him. Is he the number one receiver in the Lions offense? I mean, they they released Brashad Perryman yesterday. There's a lot of no names uh, in this offense. And then Hawkinson is kind of the one guy that has a bit of a pedigree. So what are your thoughts there and how he might stack up to other tight ends? This is probably the worst wide receiver group in the league. Maybe the worst we've seen in a couple of years. Hawkinson is by far the best established target. And he was, I needed a tight end and he was by far the best tight end left on the board. There's a big drop off from him next to everybody else and still plenty of wide receivers out there. Um, So it was really a no brainer pick for me at that point. I like it. All right. Then, then Derek, you follow that up with James Robinson, which I think is interesting on a number of levels. One, given that you're, you're familiar with the rookies, Travis Etienne gets brought in like Robinson was a former administration pick uh, or he wasn't even drafted in the first place, but do you think that his skill set can kind of lead him to having the type of year he had last year now that Etienne isn't part of the mix? Yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty much the play I'm going for here. I think it's just kind of a volume thing. I mean, one, I think the offense overall is, is going to be better. Um, and then I think really after him, like they just don't have guys now that Etienne is is, is not going to be playing. So um, I think Robinson is, is basically just a, um, a volume play. And I think he's like a really sound, consistent runner, even if he's not necessarily the most explosive guy that was on the board. Yeah, like I didn't watch him a ton last year. I mean, he was on the Jaguars after all, but it seemed like he had that like <laughs> – Ezekiel Elliott ability to maybe push the pile a little bit. So it's like, it's something that you don't always see pop up in like a broken tackle rate or some of the other advanced numbers that we see, but like there's, there's a little bit of something there. Right. Right. And and truthfully, like even just on like a a real football stance, like I just kind of tend to fall for those running backs anyway. You know, it's the, it's the reason I love Najee Harris coming out of college um, because he kind of has some of that to him too. So I, I really just value those guys that are, consistently getting one or two more yards on every carry than, you know, your average running back might be getting. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. We're in the middle of rivers back-to-back picks here. Robert Woods just went to kale. We'll circle back to kale in a second, but with his first of his two picks, uh, rivers took Mike Evans, which I think from an historical fantasy perspective, it seems crazy that he would drop as far as the seventh round. Granted this again is an 18 league. So maybe it would be a sixth or, or fifth round in a lot of leagues. But Evans has been a guy that I've had my eye on as being maybe part of a Bucks team that has too many good receiving options for everybody to hit on their ADPs. So Rivers, either before or after you make your next pick, what are your thoughts on Evans in the greater context of what's going on with the Buccaneers? I enjoy watching Mike Evans play football. <laughs> I think that's absolutely <laughs> I think fair. he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns. And yep. that's kind of how I play this game after – you know, the first five rounds, I tend to target upside. I tend to target touchdown catches if I can. And so you so you see that you see the Mike Evans pick here at five, eight, and I'm following that up with Kyle Pitts because 
I like watching Kyle Pitts play, and he's yeah. fun, and he catches touchdowns. I mean, De- Derek, <laughs> I, I know love you, it, you love Kyle I Pitts, love right? I, I love Pitts. You know, if if Kittle wasn't where he was on the board, where I thought it was like good value for him, I was going to wait and end up taking Pitts. So I think this is really good. So I was watching, and because I'm a, just an absolute glutton for punishment, I had the Falcons' third preseason game on on my television on Sunday night, and that was really the first extended look that I'd had at Pitts. Not that he played very much, but they did a little bit of a like tale of the tape, comparing him with his measurements and some of his combine type numbers and stuff to to Calvin Johnson, a wide receiver. And so, like, I know everybody talks about how effective he is out wide, but like, are we really? not even thinking enough about like what he could be as like a route runner, a contested catch catcher on the outside and things, things where when you say tight end, then I'm always nervous as for, for rookies at the position, like, is, yeah. am I just overthinking things here with, 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 uh, with Pitts? I mean, to me, I think he really like can be that good. Cause if you watch back, I think it was 2019, not 2020, but, um, he, he was up against Derek Stingley, who's LSU cornerback. Dude's going to be like a top 10 pick. He's insane. And that was the one guy in 2019 that Derek Stingley just could not handle. Like yeah. Pitts, they would split him out to X. They would split him out um, out wide. And he just, Stingley couldn't cover him. Pitts was just that fast. And for a guy that size, it's kind of just, it just doesn't really make sense in anyone's brain. And to be clear, I, I know that, uh, you know, tight ends, rookie tight ends have a, have a long history of not performing well. And I get that. But also... You know, it's the sixth round. He's he looks very different. Maybe he's mm-hmm. not. Maybe he is. If he's not, then you know you can play the waiver wire. I mean, honestly, to the extent that Pitts is a risk, and I think he probably isn't the risk that I would suggest, given the fact that he's a tight end. But the the shallower your league, and we're in an eight team league here for this draft, the more that you want to take you know kind of gambles on the bigger upside plays because what's the downside risk? You're going to be able to pick up you know at least a Gerald Everett quality tight end off the wire, a Blake Jarwin, somebody that's going to be productive for you. So you really want to hit home runs with these picks more than anything else. All right, Kale, I missed you last time, but you just grabbed Gus Edwards, a player mm. elevated by the recent news that J.K. Dobbins is going to miss this season. Mm. What are your thoughts on Gus Edwards? And do you have any concerns that there might be other players, Todd Gurley, like players like that, that are rumored to maybe be joining the Ravens? I don't think that's going to happen, but like, what do you think? You think Edwards is is sort of safe as a, a top 20 to 25 guy? Yeah, I mean, I was really licking my chops and waiting for uh, James Robinson, who got taken just the pick before me when I took Robert Woods. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in uh, Gus Johnson's ability to capitalize and increase role. The Ravens, despite losing, uh, you know, not having everyone come back in their offensive line, especially Orlando Brown, uh, I'm still pretty confident they've got one of the better lines in the NFL, they're still very run heavy, despite the fact they'll probably need to pass a little bit more to take that next step, especially with the increase in the receiving core that they've got. Uh, and in terms of actually finding a replacement for Gus Johnson, I, if the J.K. Dobbins injury happened a couple of days earlier, you know, maybe they could have traded for Sony Michelle. But outside of that, uh, I, I think Gus Johnson, just with the consistency he's had in Baltimore, is probably going to at least get the first shot at a starting job there. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident the pick, and I was desperate for a running back at this point. So Yeah, absolutely. Think- the Ravens do also seem pretty confident in Tyson Williams, a second-year running back, that I think that maybe prevents the team from bringing in a bigger-name free agent, which is – that's what, to me, would threaten Edwards' workload. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I, I think that you're probably pretty safe there. There may not be a ton of, like, catch upside – 
necessarily, but the overall volume, I think will buy him in the touchdown scoring as well. All right. Since Kale, Kale, I, yeah, Kale nailed it. I think Kale just nailed it. Mm-hmm. So since Kale's picking Edwards, we've gone Josh Allen to Derek. We've gone Cooper cup to Vince. I took Miles Sanders and then Daryl Henderson to Tom. That'll be interesting for Tom in a second, but let's jump back to Derek real quick with the Allen pick. I mean, I think we all feel pretty confident based on last season that Allen is going to be one of the elite quarterbacks. Um, but like, are there, I guess there anything with the, the fantasy strategy side of this here where like we had Patrick Mahomes go early, but quarterbacks have been dropping otherwise since then. You think that now is sort of the time to strike? Um, Kind of. I do think there's um, some other quarterbacks I was thinking about like waiting and, and maybe taking one a few picks later. But I think since I already have Stefan Diggs, um, I kind of felt okay just like pairing them together. Cause again, I, I think I really trust that coaching staff. I trust um, yeah. that offense to be, you know, top five at least uh, again. So um, yeah. And plus he has the running upside, which I think is, is pretty important if you're going to take a quarterback this early. Nice. Okay. So Daryl Henderson, Tom, you went with him. Um, is I guess assume that's probably either your third or fourth running back at this point, but I'm, I'm not looking at your yeah. roster. We're still, we're still projecting him as a top 20 PPR player in Kubiak right now, but I do have some concerns about the addition of Sony Michelle who the team traded for uh, after the cam Akers injury. Well, well after it actually. So like toward the end of the preseason, do you think that Henderson is still the primary option here? And, and do you have concerns about Michelle? And if you do, is that that's somebody that you would want to try to handcuff with? I don't think very much of Sony Michelle. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously a concern. They traded for him, but it's not like they made a significant investment for him. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, if he was a good back, if he was a serious threat to Damian Harris's carries, I don't, I think the Patriots would have kept him rather than giving him up for a late day three pick. Um, I like Henderson much more as a player. I like him coming out of Memphis. It was Memphis, right? And, uh, and I think, you know, and, I think the level of threat posed by Michelle relative to Cam Akers, who is good, is much less. I, and at this point, um, he's, my, he's my third running back, and I was looking for volume. I think that the devil's advocate argument with the Patriots would be that they had too many good running backs to keep all of them rostered. Because it's, it's not just that they were picking between Harris and Michelle. They also drafted Ramondo Stevenson, who had a really good camp. Uh, I feel like JJ Taylor is, is an exciting and like more versatile player than Michelle would be somebody they may also want to keep. He probably got released while we're recording this, by the way, but as a possibility. <laughs> so like, I almost feel like the Patriots were just in a, in kind of a lack of leverage situation, but you think that Michelle, the runner, isn't really enough to move the needle for you for, for his new team either. And he's not, and he's not a pass game back in the PPR format. So true. That's absolutely the case for sure. All right, since that Tom pick of Henderson, we went Jamar Chase to Brian, Adam Thielen, and then Aaron Rodgers both to Mike. Let's start with Brian. Jamar Chase, obviously a top five wide receiver in the real NFL draft, very hyped, but didn't play last year, opting out for COVID, and has had a lot of issues with drops so far in camp. Is that something that has you concerned at all, or is this you just kind of targeting the high upside here? Like, What are your thoughts generally about Chase and maybe overall with the Bengals passing offense. That was mostly an upside pick. Plus, uh, a lot of the other top receivers available shared bye weeks with Keenan Allen, so I wanted to have a little bit of spread there. But, you know, there's a reason Chase went in the top five. He's an incredible player, and I do think that the drops are going to work themselves out. Mm-hmm. So, I, I plus, he's my, th- he's my third wide receiver, so I'm okay with, a, with taking a bigger home run swing at that rather than someone who I'm sure is going to do good value. Yeah. Let's see. 
I am currently on the clock. So for high excitement purposes, we're going to grab a guy, but then maybe let's circle back to Mike for a second, who went with Adam Thielen and Aaron Rodgers back to back with his picks. Mike, not being afraid of grabbing some of the savvy vets. Um, I feel like from, from a PR perspective, Rodgers seems like the riskier pick because maybe he's going to, you know, you know, host Jeopardy next week. But to me, Thielen is the more interesting one is a guy that got a ton of end zone work uh, for the Vikings last season. Do you think that that workload is going to continue? Is he going to be able to really score a lot of touchdowns with Justin Jefferson emerging as maybe one of the best receivers in football? I think so because there's no number three and they're having trouble at tight end. Mm-hmm. You know, the number three is this kid, KJ Osborne, who's probably fine, but like not a number three that's like, you know, what the Cowboys have. Yeah. Uh, so, and again, when Irv Smith appears, he's going to be limited at the beginning of the year, et cetera. Uh, you know, I think Thielen will be fine. And again, ha- having taken a higher upside risky guys in the first set of wide receivers, now I got somebody I know I can punch in every week who's going to get his 10 targets, 12 targets, because Kirk Cousins is going to look right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. My guy, Mike Davis, just went. We're spending the next 15 minutes talking about Mike Davis, Brian. Yes. I, just, I love this guy. Always suck up to the podcast coach. That's rule number one. <laughs> he played for the Panthers last year, and I just loved him as an after-the-contact guy. There's nobody else in Atlanta, right, Brian? Like, why does Davis even last this long in drafts? I mean, yeah, there's no one else there. They have to run the ball occasionally. I, I assume <laughs> I didn't do a, a Buffalo pass all the time offense down there. And, you know, as of my second running back in the seventh round, I do a heck of a lot worse than Mike Davis. Well, I have to say, like, in this shallower type format, your idea to wait on running backs and grab, you got Josh Jacobs first, right? Yes. And Mike Davis, I'm... I'm not sure you're giving up much relative to the other starters. Like maybe you'll have bye week tr- trouble like once or twice during the year, but I think it's a very viable strategy. And who did you end up with, with your other uh, positions, quarterback and wide receiver, et cetera? You got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, and Jamar Chase. Yeah. I mean, to me, that sounds like a weak winning type of team. Like to me, playing to the format is something that really makes a lot of sense. And I really like what you've done here. Uh, since the Davis pick, we went with Chris Godwin, went to Tom, Deontay Johnson is who I took, Amari Cooper next events, and Chase Claypool to Derek. Uh, Derek, Claypool has been one of my favorite year two players. It's, it's weird to me that I feel like people aren't kind of calling him out as being ahead of some of the other year two guys with lesser year one performances, like your Jerry Judys and, and Henry Ruggs of the world. Like to me, the fact that Claypool was so successful last year gives him a leg up, but do you see it that way? Or do you think maybe there was too much luck or anything else involved and they're more even than I'm suggesting? Um, You know, if I was like just picking a player to build my team around, I think I would prefer Jerry Judy, but I think um, the Pittsburgh offense is going to be better. And if anybody is going to generate explosives in that offense, it's going to be Claypool. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that they're really going to try to improve on this year. So I think, um, like I said, if anyone's going to be the guy that they really try to push those those explosive targets to, it's going to be Claypool. And I think he did a really good job um, when the quarterback play allowed him to last season. Sure. I mean, I think the, the big concern about everybody with the passing game here, beyond even the offensive line, is the fact that Ben Roethlisberger, he didn't look the way that he used to. I'll, I'll put it that way. Like he had had the shoulder surgery. His average depth of target decreased markedly from his his previous healthy year in 2018 and so i think everybody's kind of connecting those dots and saying that oh his arm isn't what it used to be it's it's not going to be this explosive downfield offense anymore the one way that i'll push back a little bit with that is to say that with the poor offensive line 
likely poor pass protection. It actually made a lot of good strategic sense to have those quick throws to get the ball out of Roethlisberger's hands. And you saw his sack rate drop really sharply from where it was throughout much of his career when he loved to hold onto the ball to make those downfield plays. So to me, there's, there's a chance that strategy was a big part of this. And then you're going to continue to see the Steelers have success moving the ball with some shorter throws uh, in the passing game such that I'm actually optimistic about pretty much all of their receivers, but especially Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. I think both could have really big years, and I think they're underrated in in fantasy right now, and I think Kubiak shows it in both cases too. So definitely check that out. I'll mention again, I think I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Kubiak, uh, the FO Plus subscriptions right now are just $1 a week. Uh, It's a special offer, so grab that so you can get in and prepare for your fantasy drafts right now. You will not regret that. All right, since Derek's pick of Claypool, we've had a couple of guys go, Kareem Hunt to Kale, DJ Moore um, to Rivers, and Rivers is in the middle of another pick. So let's let Kale talk about Kareem Hunt for a second. Uh, I mean, I feel like the, the optimism is really high in Cleveland right now, Kale. Like, what are your thoughts on this offense and maybe this team in general about their ability to take it to the next level? I mean, yeah, they've still, especially in their run game, they've got – the best offensive line in the NFL. And surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, uh, per fantasy pros in full PPR leagues last year, Kareem Hunt actually outperformed Nick Chubb. He was running back 10 versus Nick Chubb to running back 11. So landing him this late in the draft feels like a really good pick. And I think with the amount of not necessarily risky picks that I've made, but less sure picks like an Eckler mm-hmm. or Jonathan Taylor, I think I needed something that was pretty set in stone running behind that insane Cleveland Browns offensive line is definitely a pretty solid, uh, <laughs> a solid and safe bet. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, Baker Mayfield coming down into a contract, not contract year, but playing for that extension, they're really on the cusp of being a front runner in the AFC. Uh, they've definitely got to still compete with teams like Buffalo and, you know, they've got a pretty tough conference facing off against the Pittsburgh defense, matching up against Baltimore twice a year. But, I mean, if they can just continue the momentum that they've had with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt using a really potent two-back system, I think it's a pretty solid pick. You know, what's interesting is, given some of the difficult defenses they face in the division, like you mentioned, your Ravens of the world, your Steelers of the world, Hunt may be a little bit less susceptible to the matchup from a week-to-week perspective, given that he contributes so much as a receiver Whereas with Chubb, like in an ideal world, you're looking for the, the Browns to build leads so they can run him a lot in the second half and have him score a lot of rushing touchdowns. So like in, in a sense, I kind of like that as a week-to-week option for you uh, going forward. All right, since the Hunt pick, we had a couple of Rivers picks. He went with Chris Carson and Brandon Ayuk, and then Cortland Sutton just went to Derek. Um, but oh, I might have screwed that up. The DJ Moore, okay. DJ Moore went to Rivers. Rivers, um, what are your thoughts on the Panthers offense this season? I expressed earlier that like there may be better weapons this year than you've traditionally seen. And I'm wondering if that's going to cut into Christian McCaffrey's workload, DJ Moore's workload, et cetera. Or do you think these guys are established and talented enough that they're going to kind of maintain what they've done previously, or maybe do better with Sam Darnold at quarterback? Uh, from what I've seen in the preseason, I've seen DJ Moore's kind of uh, depth of target drop a little bit. So that kind of excites me. In a PPR mm-hmm. format, absolutely. Uh, I kind of feel like he's been a little bit left left for dead with Sam Darnold, but uh, you know somebody's got to catch some balls here in Carolina. They're going to be trailing a lot, it seems like. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Uh, I mean, I, I would I would push back as a Panthers fan, but given that you're a Texans fan, I feel like that this is more of a commiseration than it is anything else. Like my biggest hope now is that the Panthers are just going to sign Cam Newton and make him the starter since he's he's available since being cut earlier today. Uh, I wonder when the Texans will have a player picked in this draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Brandon Cook's still available for for people out there. Uh, uh. All right. Uh, We had Brandon Ayuk go to Kale. Cortland Sutton went to Derek. Chase Edmonds to Vince. I took Kyler Murray. And then Curtis Samuel just went to Tom. Uh, Let's start on that list with Cortland Sutton, Derek, because he's a player that's coming off of, I think, ACL uh, surgery, right? but he finally played in week three of the preseason looked pretty healthy and explosive. So now given that he may be back to form in time for week one, how would you say compare him and Jerry Judy and what you expect from that offense? I mean, it's sudden to me just feels like you're kind of like prototypical X. You just throw him out by himself and he's going to be able to kind of just beat up on any cornerback. And I think if Teddy is going to be a guy who is going to kind of need a little bit of a safety blanket to kind of lean on in the, in the short to intermediate game, I think Sutton, is a lot more reliable than Judy in that sense. I think Judy, his drops can be a little bit of a problem, which I think you live with him. But like, I think Sutton's just going to be a little bit more of a consistent player. And I think probably the guy who Teddy ends up leaning on a little bit more. And I think, you know, before the injury, he was just a fantastic player. And I expect him to be at or pretty close to that again. Yeah. Vince, you watch a lot of NFC West. So you've probably seen more Chase Edmonds than a lot of the rest of us. Mm -hmm. There's been some talk that they want to increase his workload, but they also bring in James Conner. I think there's the same concerns. I've been concerned about Edmonds maybe not being big enough to pick up the workload, but do you see him as having potential to have three down type of work, maybe push him over 200 total touches this year? Could be. Um, They definitely brought in James Conner to handle more of the short yarder stuff. Um, I I would not have drafted Chase Edmonds if this is not a PPR league. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, That's the biggest thing is I, I, I like his, what, because last year he was their second best receiver behind DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, obviously, they hope that's not the case this year, but it may. Yeah. <laughs> well, like bringing in the rookie Rondale Moore is another type of player that maybe yeah. sees some of that work kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, it does seem like there is kind of a, an idea to get the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands quickly, right? Like try to keep the undersized quarterback a little healthier. Well, that's I mean that's the that's the air raid three step drop and drop and throw. It doesn't matter if the guys it's a good completion or not. Just get that ball out. So. Um, if, if, if Arizona's offense is so much better in a PPR format than standard. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and you're right. Rondale Moore is probably the guy who's going to eat into Edwards receptions more than anyone else, but um, I need a backup running back. Uh, there's still plenty of quarterbacks on the board. So I said, what the hell? I'll just take that. That's true. Although quarterbacks are starting to go. Cause I snagged Kyler Murray two picks later, mm-hmm. Brian grabbed Justin Herbert. Curtis Samuel also went to Tom Robert Tanyan just went to Mike and then Mike followed that up with Michael Thomas. Uh, Mike, let's talk about your two guys here with Robert Tanyan first being just like had an incredible end zone target type of chemistry with Aaron Rodgers last season. And normally we would say that, you know, based on how many targets he actually got there, he probably scored more touchdowns than you would expect. Rodgers had this dream season, but Rodgers also seems kind of like a finicky type of player where like trusts and those type of things are very important. So like, do you think did Tanyan enter the inner circle with Rodgers last year? Yeah, I was going to pick Mark Andrews, and then I realized I have Aaron Rodgers. I have to keep him happy. 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Like I said, I do this differently. I think like magical thinking, you know, a river said it like the guys I want to root for. So in my mind, I would be like, okay, Rogers has his buddy here and he's going to have, like, like you said, you're right. I think that there was probably a high uh, percentage of touchdowns that might've been a little bit of luck based, but he's going to get red zone targets. He is in that inner circle. Yeah. uh, To jump to Michael Thomas, the upside of, Oh, he gets healthy and sort of gets his mind right or whatever. The upside of that at this point in the draft is unreal for Michael Thomas. He's, he's yeah. you know, a top three wide receiver. So if, if all the all the other things get settled, just got a big bucket of win. Very nice. All right. <laughs> Since then, we've had Melvin Gordon go to Brian, Dak Prescott uh, go to Tom. We're into, I mean, I think we're into the ninth round of 16. We're kind of at an hour. So I don't think we'll probably take this all the way to the end. So do you guys want to do some like recapping of your teams and your kind of overall thoughts from the draft? My biggest thing is when I came into this, I just did a quick scan of the rankings. I counted down eight quarterbacks in our, in our, in our projections. And number eight was Aaron Rodgers. I thought, well, if, I, if that's the worst quarterback I get, I'm good. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was putting off quarterbacks forever. And it turns out everyone else did too. Well, so <laughs> I, like, I think that quarterback in the NFL is deeper than it's ever been. But it's definitely true in fantasy leagues because you're injecting all of these new younger quarterbacks that can run. We're probably going to end up having Justin Fields starting within a few weeks. Trey Lance may start later in the year. Uh, even Trevor Lawrence, I think, is a pretty good runner, too. And so that's so valuable from a fantasy perspective that that even if those guys are struggling as throwers, they may actually be totally fine options for you in your fantasy leagues, which I think is a long way of saying kind of what we used to say, but is even more extreme now. You can wait on quarterback in fantasy leagues, especially in your shallower formats. I think that's just a huge thing. I mean, I just took, I'd been keeping my eye on quarterback for a couple of rounds, but I just took Dak Prescott and the, the Cowboys uh, mm-hmm. depth at receiver and that defense, which probably won't be as bad as it was last year. But I mean, there's a chance he could be top three quarterback easily. And, and then, I'm happy to get that in the yeah. ninth round. And then Vince just followed that with Russell Wilson on the cusp of being in the 10th round here. So like, there's some really good quarterbacks still going off the board this late. I got a backup running back and a backup wide receiver before drafting Russell Wilson. <laughs> Tom, Tom, what are your overall takeaways from the draft? Uh, hmm. Even with a even with a more analytics friendly group, running back depth and running backs that I really like drops off faster than I expected it to. You know, it's a standard draft. You're drafting with, mm-hmm. you know, drafting with friends of mine. I expect running backs to go quickly, and for me to just say, okay, I'll just take another wide receiver. I'll take a tight end. I'll take another wide receiver. I'll take a quarterback. I'll take another wide receiver. And here it was, you know, we get to the fifth, sixth round, and I think, okay, I need to take a second running back. I need to even consider taking a third running back since we start two and we do have the flex, and there just aren't many running backs I like. And so you really need the there aren't that many volume guys in there particular. Aren't. And that's, that's the way the NFL has been trending over the past 10 years, if you want, if you want to say, and uh, you know, even this uh, PPR mitigates it a little bit, but yeah. you know, that's really something that I take away. Yeah. I think there are only about 20 to 22 running backs that I think you can feel pretty confident are going to get 200 to 225 total touches this season. And that's before you really even consider who's going to be getting hurt. I mean, we've already seen some big guys like Dobbins go down. So even in shallow formats, you've really got to get those running backs. I know it's old school, but it still makes a lot of sense in fantasy. Um, Derek, what, what are your takeaways so far? 
Um, I mean, I kind of echo the running back thing. I will say I'm, I'm really glad to have gotten Damian Harris where I got him. Um, again, he kind of just falls into the type of running back that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now with Sony Michelle out of the picture, you know, we mentioned earlier, they still have a lot of other depth at the position, but I think getting one of the guys out kind of helps a little bit. So um, he, he was really among the, the running backs left. The guy, at least as like an actual football player, the one I trusted the most to, to kind of take off. So um, you know, the running back depth was kind of my takeaway too. Um, other than that, it was a little bit too late before I realized that I had stacked too many week seven. So I'm just going to take an automatic <laughs> loss, which is fine. That's good. That's all good. <laughs> Hopefully that just means my other weeks are a little bit better. Absolutely. I was very upset that you took Damian Harris, by the way, that oh. was, I, I was targeting him. And then you, you have to add on to now, um, Cam Newton being gone, frees up even right. more goal on carries for yeah. him. That's mm-hmm. true. But for, for both Derek and Rivers, do, do you think Harris has room to grow as a receiver? Like he'll need a lot more than six targets a year to be a real PPR mm-hmm. asset, but like he could still be flex worthy, but like to be a, a top 20 type of running back. I, I mean, to me, it's just like, I don't think there's that many receivers who are, or running backs who are like legitimate difference makers at wide receiver where you can like flex them out and do a bunch of stuff. So I think with a lot of running backs, it's more about just giving them volume on like um, checkdowns and, and some of the shorter passes. And I think now with Mac Jones being inserted into the offense, that's probably something he's going to get a, a little bit more of. Yeah. We're also talking about a ninth round pick here. It's not like you're picking yeah, right, of course. Third, third round or fourth round where you're like, he needs 60 targets or he's bad. So yeah. upside. So Rivers, look at, what's- Kale, look at Kale soaking up Miles Gaskin after he soaks up <laughs> Gus Edwards. All of the sort of go-to featured running backs who became featured running backs in the last five days. That's brilliant. Grabbing <laughs> these guys in later rounds. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So Kale, was that like a, a pointed strategy of yours to wait on some of the, the guys that are have less certain workloads, but maybe are, are trending up? Oh, no. It, at this point, I am just trying to, you know, in an eight-team league, it's really easy to find depth because it's, you know, it's not as slim of pickings. But uh, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm just really looking to shore up. I think I'm really confident in what I've got at receiver. And I think I'm going to be able to get stuff up. I'm going to be able to get some players later in the drafts that I think would still really work well in terms of a volume perspective. Like, but Jacoby Myers still sitting out there, some along those lines, I think it still have, you know, between 60 and 90 targets on a team. But uh, yeah, just in terms of the running backs, I, I need as much versatility as possible here. And Miles Gaskin, even though I'm terrified of what could possibly happen behind that Miami offensive line, uh, I think at this point it's fallen far enough where, you know, I can just snag it in. If it doesn't work, you know, I've got some fodder for waiver wire week. So Rivers, I see Brandon Cooks sneaking up the list of the, of the best draft picks here recommended to us by ESPN. Thoughts there, and like, what are your major takeaways from the draft? Oh, I guess my draft kind of went how I expected it to go. Like, I made a big deal early about making sure I left with three running backs from that top tier. I think it really falls off pretty fast. I mean, there were a couple of guys like Mike Davis that I was like interested in after mm-hmm. uh, Edwards Lair went, and you know, I went up to Chris Carson, so that wasn't a terrible backup. But but yeah, I definitely planned it that way. Um, I was hoping to get, uh, as I said way earlier. Um, I was really hoping that uh, one of the top tight ends, maybe Travis Kelsey, would fall to, to eight. That did not happen, thanks to Brian, uh, <laughs> which I totally get. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, I'm really happy with how this ended up. And uh, I think I've got some good depth at running back wide receiver. And I've got some 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 real high-risk gambles here with uh, Pitts and Lamar Jackson. Excellent. 
Well, Brian, I take it you're probably pretty pleased with your approach, grabbing some of the, the elite tight end quarterback options early and then filling in with some later running back options in the shallower league, right? Yes, but I will point out that my third running back is Melvin Gordon. So mm. I will say uh, join the loser league today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Trade with Cal. Trade with Cal. As, as mentioned, Football Outsiders FO Plus, available for $1 a week for a limited time. Sign up. Get into Loser League. It's going to be the f- most fun fantasy league. I've got our projections working in that to tell you who not to pick, but who to pick from Loser League perspective. You also have Kubiak to help you with all of your traditional fantasy drafts. So a lot of fun stuff there up on footballoutsiders.com, FO Plus subscription. Uh, Mike, what are your takeaways from the, from the, from the draft? I feel like you approached it from a, a more fun perspective than some of the rest of us. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I, I did. It, it's hard. I've drafted with experts in the past. You guys are experts. And it is hard because it's the, the, the fan, not only do the um, strategies sort of compete, but the strategies do all kind of blend together. We all have Kubiak at our disposal. We have your mm-hmm. information, Scott, Aaron's information. So I do tr- tend to do things a little differently. It's fun. It's tricky in an eight-team league. I am always taken off guard by how much talent is out there and how much risk you have to take on to succeed in an eight-team league. Uh, because in the past, I played in 12, 14 team leagues, keeper yeah. leagues, things like that when, when I was younger. And it's more about getting guys you know who will play. And in this case, it is, it, it's hard. It's hard to adjust to the mentality of getting guys who are going to play, excel, and possibly exceed expectations, which takes on a level of risk that you need, you need to prepare for, you need to study for. Absolutely. All right. Who have I missed? I know I missed somebody. No? <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, we still have a little bit of time left, but I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. Thanks so much for, for following along with the, the live fantasy draft that we did here on twitch.tv slash FB outsiders. Um, we're kind of coming to the end of the off season when we've had shows every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 PM Eastern. Although Aaron and Mike, I think do have a show this Thursday at 1 PM yep. Eastern. So check that out. But next week we're going to be starting with our in season content. We're actually going to have more Twitch shows more podcasts. So keep up with us. We'll, we'll give you some more info as that gets closer too. but thanks to all the writers guys. I, I really appreciate having you on appreciated hearing your, your insights related to your fantasy selections. Thanks so much for everybody that followed us on Twitch and everybody listening to us on the football outsiders podcast network. We'll catch you on Thursday for the FO radio hour. And with this season, everybody have fun with your fantasy drafts and hit us up. If you have any questions on, on Twitter and elsewhere. <laughs>